scab for the bosses don't listen to their lies as poor folks haven't got a chance lest we organize which side up, are you bitch? on hey it's the podcast it's us. we're back once again uh just uh you know may have noticed Whoa, there wasn't an episode last week. What was going on? Well, guess what? We have um, lives that are really <laughs> crazy sometimes. And sometimes you just, you can't, you can't get an episode. So, you know, as always, huge apologies. We're getting it together. But, you know, we're, we're busy folks. We got full-time jobs. Jobs. Shit to do. So, yeah. True. You know, life, life happens. And again, this isn't our fucking job this is true it could be if you get all your friends to listen <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you could be mad at us for missing an episode yes, then, then you can have feelings about exactly it. but, but um, at this point kind of like you'll be fine <laughs> yeah you'll be fine we are releasing this for your pleasure we're serving you by doing this so like you know. oh it's serving for sure it is serving <laughs> it's serving motherhood it's serving motherhood uh serving Serving a well-fed community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, serving, yeah. like, communal garden. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my uh, vintage communist jacket came in the mail today. Vintage Soviet Union uh, military jacket. I mean, I guess it's it's from the 80s, so I don't know if that's considered vintage or if that would be considered, like, retro. I, I don't know what, what the, like, cutoff the cutoff is. is. I yeah. think that I think <clears throat> the 90s is considered retro now. Yeah, I think so. The 80s is now in the vintage yeah category mm-hmm. what do you call it? <laughs> anything earlier than that and it's just called ancient yeah exactly <laughs> no for sure but yeah so i'm very stoked about that i might post a picture of that on oh, the twitter the twitter on the too. true yeah i'll take a i'll do a little photo shoot show all the yes. show all the people like for realsies. the jacket yeah yeah no that was 100 percent like was used by the soviet oh, military so yeah cool. <laughs> Like, it's from the 80s when the Soviet Union was around. So. Wow. Because I think, what year did they fucking, was 91? it 91? I think 91, I yeah. Think so. Granted, it was, like, later on in their existence, but Still, nonetheless. It's, it's there. It's a it's legit Soviet Union God, jacket, so yeah. fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Just the shit that I'm able to fucking find I I, always is, like, crazy to what me. What a blessing. I like it. I like it. Uh, anyway... We're going to be uh, talking about colds. We're back with some juicy, juicy cold content. So juicy. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a really sad episode, you guys. So, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, your typical cult trigger warnings for like manipulation, mm. suicide, um, mm. sexual abuse. Yep. Lots of that. Uh, you know, all, all the pretty much any terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be Anything in here. Anything you so. can think of. Just expect mm-hmm. so uh yeah just keep that in mind as you're going into this episode never is a bad idea to take a break if you're feeling overwhelmed or Amen. like you don't want to listen to something that we are talking about so yeah or even skip the episode we'll sure. be okay it's heavy shit it's rough but but, but i th- do think it's important to know obviously agreed yeah and it's yeah it's important information and um good to stay informed yeah, because, you know, unfortunately, cults are still running rampant today, mm-hmm. as, like, our last episode kind exactly. of uh, portrayed, like... 
Right, it's like, I'm sure that the quotes that we're going to talk about today, you know iterations of them, or you'll be like, oh shit, that really sounds a lot like blank cult that I know mm-hmm. of, so. Exactly, yeah, so. But I will go ahead and take it over. So, to start it all off, uh, James Warren Jones was born May 13th, 1931 in Indiana. James Warren Jones, of course, being Jim Jones. I think a lot of you probably know all about him. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's a pretty popular one, but, you know, one of the, one of the, the big leagues, you know, he's in the all-star league for cult leaders. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, his family relocated relocated to Lynn, Indiana in 1934 because they were evicted from their home. His father suffered injuries in World War I and had trouble maintaining a job and bringing a steady income. Um, I'm sure he had PTSD as well, which contributed to the situation, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tonks is here. Hi, buddy. She just came in on her three legs. Yeah. Tripod Tonks. Tripod Tonks. <laughs> Uh, the shack that they moved into, and it was, like, in all the things I saw, it was actually called, like, they called it a shack. Yeah. Uh, was owned by a family member and had no running water or electricity. They tried their hand at farming, but, uh, that also proved to be a failure, not able to farm. Most of the Jones's childhood, or most of Jones's childhood was spent being reliant upon family members and at sometimes even foraging for food to supplement their diets. Yikes. So kind of a rough, Intense, very, yeah. very poor, poor conditions here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this context is very interesting in light of his political view or the political views that Jones develops over the course of his life. Um, cause Jones is a he's a very interesting, <laughs> interesting cult leader. Uh, it's true. Many Jones biographers claim his mother neglected her son uh, for much of his childhood, which also caused him to be primarily raised by relatives and neighbors. So as you can imagine, not a great childhood, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Jones took an interest in religion at a young age, and as a boy was, attend- was attending and was baptized in multiple local churches uh, in the Lynn area, which, so like, he was kind of like church hopping heavy, like religion yeah. hopping even, where, like he was going to different like sects of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing. I don't think so either, but it is a little interesting to get like baptized. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. That's like you're like committing. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm committing to all of them. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see here. Early on in his life, he decided he wanted to become a preacher People who knew him at the time say he was like a nice kid, but was pretty strange. And there, there's a story, I guess, he developed a tendency to use profanity, um, greeting his friends by saying things like, and I quote, good morning, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> or hello, you dirty bastard. Well, that's just how I talk to you guys. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> just how we talk to our audience. Hello, yeah, you dirty bastard. <laughs> Truly, every, every time we intro the episode, we're like, you filthy fucking animals. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jones stated this, oh wait, one, before I go to that, Jones began reading political theory and developing a sense for what he believed um, outside, I guess, of specifically religion. He read people like Adolf Hitler, mm. Karl Marx, Joseph Stalin, and Gandhi as a child. That's quite the mix there. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of a fucked up cocktail of political philosophy um, <laughs> in the proverbial mixer of his brain. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Jones stated this about his childhood. I was ready to kill by the end of the third grade. Oh. I mean, I was so aggressive and hostile. 
I was ready to kill. Nobody gave me love, any understanding. In those days, a parent was supposed to go with a child to school functions. There was some kind of school performance, and everybody's parents were there but mine. I'm standing there alone. Always was alone. So, like, he obviously has a little bit of mm-hmm. some some resentment, it seems. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And also, maybe it's a psychopath, probably. There's a possibility. <laughs> it's giving it's giving antisocial uh, personality yeah. disorder. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, as he grew older, and in this case, not particularly wiser, Jones was often seen in his high school carrying around a Bible and would reprimand classmates for uh, partaking in drinking, smoking, and the worst sin of all, dancing. Oh, my God. Well, that'll make you real popular. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I bet bet they loved him. That totally will not isolate you further from, like, everyone (laughs) and everything. Exactly. Uh, It was actually at a baseball game in Richmond, Indiana, that Jones would first be exposed to systematic racism seeing how black folks were treated differently and what segregation was like. The mistreatment of black people in America would become a focal point for Jones and influence his activism for the rest of his life. It's a very pro-integration, uh, pro-civil mm. rights movement, all that jazz. Yeah. So, I mean, good. Good thing, I guess. Right. To, to, you know. Pretty, pretty low bar. Yeah, pretty know. low bar for sure, but based nonetheless, I guess. True, and at the time. At the time, for sure. After his parents separated, he moved to Richmond with his mother and graduated high school in 1948. In college, while attending Indiana University, Bloomington, he began to support and espouse communist and socialist rhetoric. Uh, it seemed, as with a lot of people, college is what radicalized <laughs> Mr. Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. Those liberal arts colleges. <laughs> those, li- <laughs> those liberal arts colleges. This is what the woke left wants. The woke mob. Yeah. It's always a bummer when, uh, you know, like people that are really bad and terrible and bad are like, hey, communism's kind of sick. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Honey, no. Honey, baby, no. No, don't don't take that. Don't how do that. You, how did, but then it's like, how did you like make such a sharp left turn into kill people? Yeah, murder everyone. Yeah. It's just and it's such an interesting like little cocktail too, because he's again, he's like communist and has that kind of rhetoric, but he mm-hmm. remains religious for like the majority of his life, which yeah, that's interesting the Soviet too. Union and like, you know, Marx hated Marx and all that. That's very atheist. Yeah. For, you know, a good reason. There's a whole conversation we had around why (laughs) religion is uh, detrimental to. You don't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Religion is detrimental to like social growth and progressivism. But Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a conversation for another time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This episode is going to be long enough as it is. While working in a hospital, he met a nurse in training named Marceline Baldwin, and the two began to date and would be married June 12th, 1949. Sucks she married a cult leader. Yeah. That's what I wrote here. That's all so, I wrote. Sorry, was like, Marcy. Sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Real unfortunate. Uh, um, Jones and his wife relocated to Indianapolis, and he graduated with a gr- degree in secondary education in 1961. Um, but jumping back a bit, so when they kind of around the time they first met, uh, it was around 1952 that Jones announced he would be a Methodist preacher because <gasps> the Methodist church was ready to put socialism into practice, as he <gasps> stated. That's what I grew up. 
Well, did you think they were ready to put socialism into practice? Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe. Not really, but Methodism's kind of chill as far as religions go. I mean, yeah, that's like, that's how I feel about like, because I grew up evangelical, which has its own, you know, mm-hmm. issues for mm-hmm. sure. But it's like, I guess being surrounded by like LDS culture, I'm like, oh yeah, like my church was right. cool, dude. Yeah, like we exactly, exactly. We got to drink coffee. We had a fucking <laughs> electric guitar rock band. Yeah, like you know, it's awesome. It's yeah. It's like my church was was rad comparatively. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was hired that same year as a student pastor for children at Somerset South Side Methodist Church. Try saying that five times fast. For real. Uh, One of his main goals while working there was he wanted to open a community playground for children of all races to play on. Uh, He would be fired from his position for embezzling church money. However, Jones would claim it was for his attempts at integration. Honestly, a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Yeah, (laughs) probably. I I can definitely see being fired for both of those things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what the actual i mean because i think they did find proof that he was embezzling church money but right also i can see how like again integration wasn't super popular among yeah. religious people uh in 1953 he convinced his wife to switch her affiliations from oh jesus from methodist to pentecostal started preaching at laurel saint tabernacle um the, the church that he was uh, mm-hmm. preaching at and I don't know, Pentecostal churches, for some reason, like the majority of the cults that I looked in, I've looked i looked into for this show and just kind of in general mm-hmm. come from fucking Pentecostal churches. That's like, interesting. Because like the fucking Waco, they were oh, yeah. like an offshoot of the Pentecost Pentecostal That's church true. as well. That's so, true. And granted, that wasn't for cult month, but still weird. Yeah. Um. During this time, there was a large movement called the Healing Revival that led into the Latter Rain movement. Basically, it was very much a miracle-based, like miracle-based uh, movement on the idea that like God would grant the gifts of healing to these leaders, and they could perform miracles on behalf of the Lord. So, kind of like you think mm-hmm. of like the big tent revivals where people mm-hmm. would go in and be like, mm-hmm. "You are healed from your uh, what's the word." Perse- not persecution your affliction yeah 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 like the dude like touches some young girl who can't walk and all of a sudden she's like up skipping around yeah and she's like, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. a miracle working my dad grew up in a church like that that stuff's crazy it's crazy they lose like people speaking in tongues mm-hmm. and yeah miracle shit happening snakes and shit yeah, yeah crazy. shit <laughs> crazy big crazy um with the surge in this movement jones began traveling and preaching slash healing at different Pentecostal churches and events around the country. So he was big in on this, the whole healing thing. He was seeing this is really where, where I feel like you can kind of see the seeds of shit starting to go awry. Exactly. It's like, Oh, I'm a healer now and everybody really likes me and I'm traveling around the country, like doing this kind of shit. It is weird because you do kind of get like this sense that like these like pastors that were doing this are like fucking, like they're like superstars, like they're celebrities, like right, totally. Like they're on tour, you know. Like they're going to different churches. Yeah. They perform every night, basically. Well, yeah, like, and it is right. Yeah. It's totally a performance. And I mean, yeah, it's like holy shit, you guys. The fucking guy who's gonna put spit in your eyes and make you be able to see again is coming. Yeah, to like, like holy, holy fuck. fuck. <laughs> Let's go fucking check it out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Um, also, fun little fact, little side fact, the mm. latter rain movement was very heavily influenced by British Israelism, which for those Super Remarks fans, you'll recall I spoke about last cult month during my Christian Identity episode. Oh. Basically, the belief that British and white people are God's chosen people and oh, not the Jewish. Yes, right, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Yeah, so British Israelism is oh, good. Uh, was a part of that movement, which doesn't play too much of a role in this story, but just thought it was interesting because I oh, saw it and was like, "Hey, <laughs> I know, I know what yeah. the fuck that is." <laughs> hey, white supremacy. What? <laughs> Every you know, you you it's find it. There. You find it in the weirdest places. You know, you're like, ah, whoa, white supremacy. I didn't know you'd be here. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's real interesting. <laughs> insane, insane. Um, in 1956, Jones was ordained as a minister in the International Assemblies of God, and he held a mm. big old healing convention. convention. Mm. Uh, the convention was a success, and it caused him to rename his ministry to the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel. Okay. Or People's Temple, as it has become known yes, as. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but the full name is the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel. It's uh, it's Christian name. It's, <laughs> it's truly it's Christian name. No pun intended. Is the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel? Uh, but you know what isn't the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, these ads, yes. baby. All right, skis. We are back. We're back. And um, crazy how back we are. Let us know your favorite eye cream. True. Yeah, I'm trying to find a good eye cream, folks, Mm -hmm. and want to want want one that like does things. Yeah. Not just like makes my skin feel soft. Like I want to actually help and moisturize and not look old <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and if y'all know of one that makes it look like i actually got like a good night's sleep ideally that would yeah. be awesome yeah it's nice that is kind of the like the issue with um wearing glasses is like because i have like i have like a glasses tan line oh. and i'll probably always like have one because i wear glasses all yeah. the time because yeah. i'm very blind <laughs> and uh but it makes like when i'm not wearing them like it makes my eyes look like i have really dark circles just oh, by like the nature I of see. yeah 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 are you I ever a contacts guy i, I feel like i've ever seen you wear contacts no i no, i don't because i tried them when i was and maybe i should give them another shot but i tried them when i was in like sixth grade <laughs> and i was like i fucking hate this <laughs> <laughs> mine made up forever yeah no for sure and then i just kind of never never really went back i mean glasses are definitely your vibe though that is true and like it's just become such a part of like my yeah. my aesthetic my look yeah. you know that yeah. it's like hard to, I, I just haven't really ever had the desire to go to contacts sure. you know but yeah who, know, who knows who knows what where the wind will take will take me <laughs> who knows what the future holds exactly yeah could could be could be anything that's true charlie, charlie. all right well back into it here in 1956, oh yeah, Jones was ordained as a inter- minister in the International Assemblies of God and held a big old healing convention, mm-hmm. started uh, mm-hmm. or changed his ministry's name to the People's Temple, uh, Christian Church, full gospel. <laughs> Jones uh, would teach that supernatural gifts were signs of the end times and that he himself was a manifestation of Christ the revolution. Oh. So like, I guess it's like, 
I don't I didn't fully like grasp it because I'm sure there's a lot of like the theology that they taught and everything mm-hmm. but like they had these ideas that like there was different kinds of like manifestations I guess of like God so like yeah. Jones was saying like I'm the manifestation of like Christ the revolution like the revolutionary or whatever okay 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 um I think it just boils down to him thinking that he was going to bring about like the socialist paradise after um, the end times happens which we'll get into more in a little bit yeah Eventually, though, like the fleeting feeling of a cocaine high, all good things must come to an Mm. end. And Jones would part ways with the Lateran movement due to racial teachings and anti-communist views within the movement. Mm. And in 1960, Jones was appointed as the leader of the Human Rights Commission of Indianapolis by the mayor. And he would help to integrate churches, restaurants, police departments, hospitals, theaters, and more. He would actually set up a like sting operations to try to catch restaurants that were not integrating uh, the black and white seating. Wow. Uh, So with Jones being so publicly uh, against segregation, People's Temple became the target of white supremacy terrorism, as you know, you could probably expect. Makes sense. Including uh, a swastika or swastikas being placed on the temple itself or on the church. Sticks of dynamite found on the grounds of the church, and a dead cat thrown at Jones's house. Good. Yeah, so really good stuff. And again, you know, not making like like Jim Jones sucks. Terrible person, uh-huh. rotten hell, piece yeah. of shit. Um, yes. It's pretty bad when you know the rest of society. It, you know didn't like him because he was doing like one cool thing you know right like, yeah like that's what they a, were mad about it's a you had to be better than an actual cult leader who <laughs> kills a bunch of people and you couldn't even do that right <laughs> it's a really low bar to have yeah. to surpass and you were not oh good um i believe these events extremely contrib- contributed to the paranoia that jones uh would have mm-hmm. during the latter part of his life Despite the harassment, Jones pressured or pressed on and would adopt multiple non-white children. He branded his family and his church as the, air quotes, Rainbow Family, which very much sounds like what someone, like some fucking influencer mom who adopts a baby would put yeah, on their Instagram. <laughs> or a Rainbow Family, you know? Yeah. Like, it's also yeah. giving Charles Manson. A little bit, yeah. So... That's ooh, that would be a good one to do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Manson murders and everything. Yep. Um, in 1961, Jones had a vision of n- nuclear war destroying America. His wife confided in some of her friends that he was becoming more and more paranoid at this time. He was looking for a way to escape the nuclear destruction that he thought was impending by doing what all grift or and then in looking for a way to escape that. He did what all uh, grifters do eventually, and that was moving south. Mm-hmm. Uh, he began to look into buying land in South America for his ministry and followers to move on to and cultivate. He and his family actually moved to Rio de, de Janeiro in 1963 to help some of the poor families living there at the time. But his church back in Indiana- Indianapolis began to fail, so he did eventually have to move back. He was uh, requesting all of the money from his followers in the U.S. to be sent to him while he was there to help with his ministry down there, which kind of sus if you ask me. Yeah, that is for sure. 
very again very cult leader behavior you can kind of mm-hmm. see it all like adding up it's and like, like culminating yeah, the pieces are kind of coming together <clears throat> yeah exactly while back in the u.s he began prophesying that the nuclear apocalypse was to take place on july 15th 1967 not to spoil the story for anyone but it did not happen it's always good when people start prophesying the end of the world. Yeah, you know. Especially when they have like a very specific date too. That's you you know good things are yeah, come out of that. Yeah, for sure. It's wild to me and I know there's a lot of psychology that goes into it, but like and you know, and like I just it's so it's hard to like picture why like people would continuously believe that like this person is right yeah. after so many like miss or you know like inaccurate attempts, but like Again, it's just, I guess it's like the sunk cost fallacy where you're like, well, I'm in this, so I'm just going to keep going with it. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's wild. Um, He did successfully relocate his ministry to Northern California in 1965 in the Redwood Valley. About 140 of his most committed followers moved wall or moved with him while the rest stayed behind under the leadership of assistant pastor Russell Winberg who said Jones was, air quotes, drifting away from Christianity. No shit. (laughs) I'd argue that he had drifted long ago. Uh By uh, 1969, his membership had gone up to about 300 in Cali, and he began to shift shift in ideology to something that he, or, you know, an ideology that he coined called apostolic socialism. Uh, Here's a quote. Jones taught that those who remained drugged with the opiate of religion had to be brought to enlightenment, which he defined as socialism. Jones asserted that traditional Christianity had an incorrect view of God. By the early 1970s, Jones began deriding traditional Christianity as flyaway religion, rejecting the Bible as being a tool to oppress women and non-whites. Jones referred to traditional Christianity's view of God as a sky god who was no god at all. Instead, Jones claimed to be God and no god beside him. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I I too agree that the Bible is a tool to oppress women yeah. and non-whites, but also being like I'm God is a little like oh, Yeah. Well, and it's the wrong like, wrong conclusion from that. <laughs> it's like when he realized that religion wasn't serving him he was like oh actually it's been wrong all along you know like he did a real fucking 180 from being like a traveling healing pastor Mm -hmm. to being like actually religion bad yeah and i think you can kind of just see how like he was trying to like consolidate his power more and more like he's like well i've kind of reached my height as like one of these celebrity healing pastors so now i gotta go in and of course you know say that oh i'm actually god you know right. first i was the manifestation of christ the revolution but now i'm actually god i am god there's himself. no other gods beside him beside me you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. so again it's just kind of this like escalating like i need more and more like allegiance and attention and yep. like all that um so yeah you can really see him begin to develop the cult leader god complex while being mixed in with uh this like pseudo christian and communist influence um, he actually sent out a tract called Letter of Killeth, which criticized the King James Bible, saying King's James, King James was a slave-owning capitalist, which, like, sure. is true. <laughs> but you're also saying that you're God, so I don't know, yep. dog. <laughs> yep. Um, and then uh, w- 
as this was all happening, he would baptize people in his congregation in the name of socialism, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, again, it's so insane because it's like socialists don't like religion. Like it's those two things don't go hand in hand. Interesting combo. Yeah. Okay. Very strange. Um, So he continued to warn of a nuclear apocalyptic race war that would see neo-Nazis enslave and eliminate people of color. Accepting his teachings would save you, though, and they would emerge to create the perfect communist society after the, you know, big apocalyptic Mm -hmm. race war, which is which is giving Charles Manson for sure. Yes. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Jones was heavily using drugs and would push people to fulfill his plans and teachings aggressively by giving all the money that they had to the community, a.k.a. Jones. And if they worked outside the community, he uh, they had to give all of their income that they would make to Jones. Mm-hmm. And he would frequently have the followers do projects for him and for the furtherance of his goals. So again, really solidifying that he is in charge and yeah. you have no autonomy. See, and this is why communism gets a bad name. Exactly. Like... This this is not this is not communism. No, 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 baby, no. <coughs> Excuse me. He did all the cult classics, like limiting exposure to the outside world and mm-hmm. loved ones, controlling the sex lives of his followers and who they could marry and have romantic relationships check, with. Check, check, check. He would force followers to get abortions, um, as well as Classic. raped and uh, sexually assaulted multiple men and women in his community. Mm-hmm. As with most cult situations, this all comes uh, as stories from witnesses and recollections. So uh, I don't know that we'll ever know for sure how long and how often this was taking place. Uh, But but with the irrationality of Jones, I would guess very often and for probably the majority of the time he was in a place of power. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, just especially given, like, it was pretty clear that he had bad intentions just like in general Mm -hmm. early on i mean he was like i want to kill people in like the third grade so yeah you know i think that the second that he got like a modicum of power it was like sick i can literally do whatever i want i actually can do that yeah Mm -hmm. well and i think too like again his whole like the vibe of being like one of those traveling healing healers it's like he for sure i feel like fame and again attention and like being uh i don't know I don't know what the word is, like having followers and having like yeah. manipulating people was always his goal. Yeah, clearly. Uh, yeah. yeah, clearly. But so I don't know. Uh, those who did not obey Jones were punished with low rations of food, increased labor <laughs> and physical violence. Uh, he created his own security force to protect himself and keep the followers in line. Oh, good. It's always good when that happens, yeah, too. Yeah, when they have that little inner circle. Yeah, it's yeah. Very... And when they have like their own like not army necessarily but like their own like force type yeah, thing exactly you know? i mean he basically does get an army at some point yeah. but yeah i mean it's giving it's very much giving like ss fucking nazi mm-hmm. like hitler's little inside secret police force yep. type vibe so yep. not good um, by 1973, more branches of People's Temple were opening, and membership was at about 2,570, with 36,000 subscribers to his newsletter. Uh, he also became involved in San Fran politics, San Francisco politics, and played a crucial role in the election of Mayor George Moscone in 1975, which is never good when the yeah. leaders start getting involved in fucking... <laughs> 
the politics of the area because then they get more influence and then they're you know not able to be brought to justice because they are fucking inside the fucking government like Mm -hmm. yeah bad stuff um so plot twist uh on this one but it turns out that the spiritual healings he were doing he was doing was uh actually not real it was a hoax son of a bitch very very i know it's very surprising i was i was shocked um he began to get bad press as more and more people exposed him for being a money-hungry fraud. And, uh, you know, moving into, like, the 70s, people were starting to call out, like, these, like, scam artists and spiritual healers more because it was, uh, you know, right. people were thinking rationally again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they was he was kind of uh, being exposed by journalists. Um, it was uh, proved that in one scenario, he actually had drugged a member of his congregation and applied a, a cast to their arm saying that, and then they had told them when they woke up that they had fallen and broken their arm. And then he would later remove the cast during a healing and say oh that the bone God. had been healed by God. <laughs> so, you know, classic. Uh, he also at another time would have a member cough up a chicken gizzard Ew. and claim that it was a tumor that had left their body. Uh, okay. And again, none of this, he wouldn't allow any journalists or like, you know, medical professionals to examine the tissue that was coughed up Mm. or to like inquiry any further. So people were like, you're kind of full of shit, (laughs) Mr. Jones. Again, once journalists got a hold of how insane he was, um, he began to get some bad publicity. And on December 13th, 1973, he was arrested for lewd conduct, apparently masturbating in a theater bathroom with an undercover police officer. The uh, charges were, of course, dropped for one reason or another, possibly because he was so involved in the politics of the area. Right. And this pretty much brings us to the summer of 1974, when the land was bought in Guyana that would become what we all know today as Jonestown. Mm -hmm. By 1977, Jonestown had 50 settlers, uh, and in the following year, a a year and a half, all of the followers, about 900 to 1,000, would relocate to Jonestown. And all of the assets of the People's Temples, of the People's Temple in the States, were liquidated, which came out to be about $10 million. Goddamn. So, yeah, very, uh, lots of money in this thing. Yeah. Again, also, just, you know, always, always just the largest red flag possible when you're being moved to a different location. As part of, like, a group of yeah. thing. And especially when, you know, you don't have any way of contacting loved ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you're being moved to a very far away location. I was going to say, especially it's like a whole ass completely different country. Yeah. That's even more sketchy. Pretty gnarly. But again, at this point, you know, he had been preaching that, like, the government was out to get them. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, they're trying to run away from the nuclear apocalypse. So, you know, he had gotten everybody hook, line, and sinker in on his bullshit. Uh, This brings us to Timothy Stowen. He was an ex-Jones follower, and his uh, him and his wife would form the Concerned Relatives of Jonestown Victims victims group to attempt to stop what was going on. Uh, His story is really interesting. I didn't go too deep into it, but basically um, his wife... uh, I don't I don't think I wrote her name down unfortunately but she had a baby and um and it's believed that the baby was 
that you know her and jones had a relationship and the baby was jones's Mm -hmm. he like took the baby from them and they both like left and he like had their fucking kid yeah again it's not known if it was jones's kid or if it was timothy's but either way timothy was like hey this is my wife i want to raise this child and you also are fucking insane yeah so he starts this concerned relatives group here Mm -hmm. uh the group began requesting legal action to be taken against Jones in an effort to help the trap members of Jonestown who were overworked and underfed, abused, and in, const- and in a constant state of stress. Jones at one point would have his guards go into the forest and uh, begin shooting at the compound or shooting their firearms up into the air mm-hmm. to simulate what it would be like when the government came oh, after God, them dude. and the nuclear war broke out. His followers were only told that this was a drill after it was over. Oh, so he would yeah. consistently so consistently do this and it was yeah. never yeah, never disclosed to them that it was a drill. And I believe I read that one of them went six days. Oh my one god. One of the drills. So they were being shot at from like the forest for six days and nobody Jesus none of the followers bro. knew that it was a drill. And just a waste of ammo, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Like- yeah, I don't know if they were firing blanks, but whatever the case, mm-hmm. I'm sure they weren't because that would be too safe for right, a cold exactly. player. <laughs> um, oh, good. We love just, you know, traumatizing people. Yeah, it's great. No reason. Embassy visits to the compound and an IRS investigati- investigation led Jones to believe that the end of his uh, paradise was inevitable. He ran a drill where he was going to have everyone drink poison, but called it off at the last minute. This was, of course, getting them prepared for the actual event to happen. Because, again, most of you listeners kind of know where this story ends. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he was uh, he did a little drill where he had everybody, you know, they made the fucking cyanide Kool-Aid poison, but then he right. called it off. Uh, November of 1978, Congressman Leo Ryan does a fact-finding visit to the compound uh, with family members of the followers, a news crew, and some journalists. November 17th, when they arrive at the compound, they are welcomed by Jones. However, uh, a few of the members ask to leave the compound with them. This, uh, the commune kind of go went, like went crazy uh, at the thought of some of them leaving. I, I'm right. sure there were multiple people who wanted to leave. Obviously, the higher ups were like no. So mm-hmm. uh, some people were probably stoked. Others were probably mad. Yeah. After narrowly avoiding being stabbed, uh, Ryan Leo Ryan, the congressman, and the team managed to leave with 15 members. Uh, and Jones was like, and Jones let him leave. Like he like you know calmed everybody down and was like, yeah, get, get out of here. Yeah. Uh, however, as they were about to board two planes at the airfield nearby, uh, they were shot at by Jonestown Red, Mm. by the Jonestown Red Brigade soldiers, which actually killed Leo Ryan and four others. Jesus, dude. Uh, Jones, knowing that once this got out and, um, he would, you know, and would be put under full investigation, decided that this was the end and the time for the ascension was upon them. Having gotten a jeweler's license, he was able to buy large quantities of cyanide for cleaning metals, but it was, of course, used instead to create the famous cyanide flavor aid that has become so known in pop culture. Jones commanded everyone to drink the poison, and if one refused, they would be injected with it. He was quoted saying that this was a revolutionary suicide for the cause of communism. God. 
The entire encounter was recorded in an audio form, and this recording has been dubbed the death tape. It's about 44 minutes long, and you can go listen to it right now if you want to. Like you can hear everything that happens. Yeah. It's uh, absolutely terrifying. I'm sure. It's chilling. Yeah. I listened to a good portion of it. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, not cool. Um, 85 members of the community did survive by either being away from the compound at the time or hiding during the events mm-hmm. that uh, took place. Uh, 909 people committed suicide or were murdered. Uh, Jones included having shot himself in the head, which I I thought is interesting that he didn't take the. I mean, poison. yeah. Well, it's like he kind of. I don't know. It's like he fucking didn't. He thought he was like too important to like suffer in the same way. Exactly. That everyone yeah. else did, or whatever. Regardless, it's like oh, so everyone else had to literally poison to death. Sit it there was and just die. Not a slowly die. Di- like yeah, and you just get to end it yeah exactly um the real kicker is uh or to the real kicker to all of this um was that he was fighting for this cause uh, like you know this cause so heavily that uh you know like communism and like this newfound like organization and like really mm-hmm. this new like religious freedom and things like that uh and the kicker is that the religious organizations of the time disowned him um, after the event, calling him a cult leader and a Satanist. <laughs> and the uh, Soviet Union, when asked you know, about the whole thing, attempted to distance themselves from the tragedy, stating that it was a bastardization of revolutionary suicide. Yeah. Like the concept of what that actually means for right. like real revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, he uh, didn't get endorsed <laughs> by either of them and yep. basically just uh, killed about a thousand people. Yeah. So, yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, very, very cool. <laughs> did you read about his pet monkey? I did not actually. He had a pet monkey, like a pet attack monkey. Oh wow! He had a monkey that he like <laughs> trained to like attack his enemies. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I think that was pre cult also. Probably. I mean, he was like doing a lot of fucking drugs and was like yeah, paranoid he as fuck. Was a really crazy so, person. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. It's. That's like synonym level fucking insanity. Exactly, like, yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah, this is like, I don't know. It's wild. And I don't know, like, you know, because there's like debates, a lot of debates that I was like reading about of like, did Jones actually believe what he was saying? Or was mm-hmm. he just like this power hungry mm-hmm. fucking egomaniac? Like, yeah. what, you know, to what degree of it was him like conning people and to what degree did he actually believe? Sure. And I don't know that it really like matters in the end, but yeah. I think like... I think he, I, the amount of like commitment that he showed, I think that he had to have at least believed some of what he was yeah, saying, you know? I think, t- I, I would say he definitely believed in like the nuclear war happening. And I think he definitely believed that like the government was out to like get him. I think he just had that like level of paranoia. Yeah, I agree. Um, But as far as like actually like what he believed he was saying about everything else. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's the good old Jonestown massacre, as they've dubbed Jonestown. it. Um, yeah, again, probably one of the most infamous cults in all yeah. of history. Truth. Uh, but yeah, so that's that. I say we take a little break and then Let's we come it. back fresh for uh, Phoebe's little little cult story. Let's do it. Maybe not so little. I don't know. <laughs> it's um, I 
we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, uh, ads, call month ads. What's up, sluts? What's up, you dirty, dirty whores? Filthy sluts. <laughs> We're back. We're back with more really bad stuff. Always. So, you know. Love it. Get ready for that. Um, jot right. that down. Jot that down, RQ. So, um, to understand Utah, you have to understand the foundations that this state was settled on. A group of pioneers, led by Brigham Young, had been banished from every other land they had tried to settle on when they finally hit one of the most westbound points of the country that had not yet been colonized. Quick note, wonder why they were kicked out of everywhere else. They... <laughs> yeah, kind of weird that that's... Like crazy. Uh, and, you know, like the fucking... Uh, this is... Sorry, I always feel like I tangent like so nah, quick into yours, but... Like yeah, it's it's funny how the narrative has changed to like a persecute like the yes. Mormons were persecuted before they settled the pioneers before exactly. they settled here. It's like well, I don't think that's why they <laughs> had to move around is because they were being. I mean, I guess if like not wanting a weird fucking cult to settle yeah. in your area is considered persecution, then yeah, they then, were persecuted. There you go. Yeah. Uh, seeing Utah as free land because the only people claiming it had dark skin, the pioneers swiftly slaughtered all the natives in sight, built their homesteads, and called it the place. The Mormon settlement echoed the Quakers a bit in their conservative views and traditional ways of living, um, but certain texts and practices may have made even the Quakers cringe. These Quake, if you will. <laughs> made the Quakers quake. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, these practices are eventually what birthed the FLDS Church, a faction of the Mormon Church that modern-day Mormons disassociate themselves with, um, which is fair. The FLDS practices are intense, disgusting, and were led by someone claiming to be a prophet of God. Practices like blood oaths, polygamy, child brides, uh, things that the Mormon Church has worked hard to sweep away to keep their image clean. What's important to note, however, is that while there are two separate factions now, the LDS and the FLDS were birthed both factions were the fundamentals of the Mormon church as it was born, taking multiple lives, withholding information from outsiders, spilling the blood of those who spill the secrets. Um, you can still find strings of what the FLDS believe that goes throughout the Mormon church, and I'll get to that much later in this episode. Uh, before I continue with the story of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, another <laughs> long fucking name. For sure. <laughs> um, I do want to warn our listeners that this ep in this episode I will be talking about the sexual assault of children and some just like really intense rape. So mm -hmm. yeah, prepare yourself yeah. for that. And I'm sorry. Oh, that's with the mo with most cults. That's yeah, unfortunately a good fucking or a bad through line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I also, as usual, would like to suggest some other media that will allow you to dive deeper into this story. The first is a documentary on Netflix called The Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. This documentary interviews escaped members of the FLDS cult under Warren Jeffs. Um, super good. Super, super difficult to watch. But, like, yeah. deep details and, you know, lays the whole story out. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is... Uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. This is a series on Hulu, and it's also a book that tells the story. Um, the Hulu one, obviously, it's more... Um, Dramatized, Yes, yeah. yeah. The book is, like, the actual true story. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's got our boy Andrew Garfield, so... 
Uh, but anyway, uh, this series on Hulu in the book tells the story of the murder of a woman and her baby by a Mormon family gone fundamentalist. Um, it shows stories of the foundations of the Mormon church and explores why even non-fundamentalist Mormons should question what they are a part of. And lastly, a series on the foundation of Mormonism and the life of Joseph Smith by last podcast on the left. So there you go. So Check it out. Check it out. Um, so in 1980, the Mormon church was made to formally split ways with the polygamous members among them. The LDS church was seeking to make Utah an official state and the United States refused unless the church gave up its polygamous ways. And so these members who felt strongly about keeping their multiple child brides relocated to two towns right on the border of Arizona and Utah, and they created a compound called Short Creek. In 19, and it was, it's really interesting, this, before um, the Jeffs family, or at least the kind of more modern iterations of the Jeffs family mm-hmm. took over, they were raided, Short Creek was raided in like 58, I want to say, but it's interesting because nothing really became of that, because it kept existing after that, so I'm like, did you find nothing? Or? Yeah, was it just like, uh, weird, they were raided, was it raided, raided by like the FBI? Mm-hmm. Damn. Or like, by like local, you know, whatever, by by law enforcement enforcement. yeah okay yeah so i don't know if it was just um anyway and and i'm kind of getting ahead of myself but you know after a certain point this entire like flds had taken over these two towns every single person in office every single law enforcement person was all cult members so it's it's it was difficult i think probably post you know the 50s and more when the jeff's family took over it was mm-hmm. really when it was it would have been really really difficult to like try and do anything about this because it's like everyone around them yeah. is part of this um anyway okay so in 1986 rulon jeffs took over as president of the flds cult um having the title passed down to him from his father he held this position until he died at 92 in 2002 and at this time rulon had 65 wives and 65 children jesus allegedly oh, okay. yeah well the number is like it could be more. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> it's hard to That's keep track. Fucking insane. insane. Sixty-five wives. And, yes. I mean, yeah, sixty-five children. Like, yeah, it's about sixty-five children. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's fucking crazy. Some of these wives had been as young as fourteen. Oh, lovely. Yeah. 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 Um, after Rulon died, Warren Jeffs took over, placing himself as head of the cult, and. Even before Rulon took or uh, Warren took over, when Rulon was like getting really old, some people mm-hmm. were feeling very sussed out already by Warren. Just like yeah. he kind of already had the makings of like being a shitty person. Like he he had been sort of pushing things, pushing his dad to like make certain decisions. And don't get me wrong, his dad's a piece of shit as well. Um, but you know, and he had been always kind of fucking around with people, um, and so. People were were concerned about Warren Jeffs before he even took yeah. head. Um, so most people are familiar with Warren Jeffs. You've probably heard of his crimes, and you tend to see him as the bad guy of the FLDS cult. However, in the Keep Sweet documentary, we hear from some of Rulon's wives, and it becomes clear that this cult was always a dangerous place, especially for women and children. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like, because I mean, it's like a it's a patriarchal mm-hmm. cult, so it's like you know set to serve the men, and exactly. specifically white men in that fucking in the cult. So you right, know, yeah, it's that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the practices of the FLDS cult was for the president to choose who the girls were to be married to, 
when the girls were deemed old enough to marry, old enough meaning the prophet Rulon at the time or one of his confidants had decided that they wanted this particular girl and her age really didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, um, of course. Being deemed old enough, they were to be turned in to the prophet and assigned to a husband. And some of these girls would, of course, be chosen by the prophet themselves. Um, if you were chosen by the prophet, this was seen as a high honor in the FLDS church. You had been chosen by the literal prophet of God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the grim reality, though, was that you had been signed off to a creepy old man and now had to serve as his sex slave and bear his children. And I'm sure more than even just like, I mean, yes, a sex slave, but I'm sure you had to, you know, do your wifely duties as well. So you're basically just a slave in all senses Mm -hmm. of the word. Anything, anything that he says to do, that's what you have to do because your husband is, you know, godly and you're serving God who's working through your husband. Well, even more so because like, I'm sure it was with like all husbands, you know, like wives had to be subservient, but then it's like, yeah, then you had the fucking, your husband is the prophet of god and it's right. like well you really can't say no to that so. exactly uh that's terrible one of these victims was rebecca wall she was forced to marry rulon when she was just 19 years old and rulon 85 at this time rulon had 75 wives jesus christ yeah Rebecca said, inside of me, there was a tremendous amount of disappointment, confusion, and overwhelm. I was scared. I was terrified of marrying this man. And yet, I could not say no, because it would bring a tremendous amount of shame to my family. So there was a huge amount of pressure on me to do my duty that I had been raised my entire life to perform. In their marriage covenant, a woman vows to give herself to her husband, and that refers to everything, her body, her mind, and her soul. So, you know, it's like, she... She didn't have a choice, really, to not marry this 85-year-old man, not only because of, like, she's a part of this thing, whatever, but it's, like, literally her family and everyone around her is pressuring her because what a huge honor this is. And also, like, if you're going to back out and not marry the prophet of God, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to be kicked out, and you know nothing besides this life. True. You have no support system. You have no idea how like the world functions. Mm-hmm. Like they don't prepare women to like not at all be in society. They prepare them to be fucking again sex slaves. Exactly. Oh, so, Jesus yeah. Christ. Rebecca was, of course, a virgin when she was married to Ruan and had never been explained what happens in the bed of a married couple. So when it came time for her to consummate their marriage and bear his son, she had no idea what was going to happen to her. She said, at 19, I didn't know what you had to do to physically get pregnant. I didn't expect Rulon Jeffs to touch me in that way. I remember him rolling on top of me and saying, spread your legs. And I thought, why is a man, let alone the prophet of God, doing this to me? Oh, God. Yeah. It's fucking it disgusting. It's so much worse. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sure it does. Yeah. Um, when Rulon died, Rebecca was told that Warren was going to have her married off to another man within the week. And un- unable to bear the idea of having to endure this again, she escaped with the help of her brother, left the compound, and was able to build a new life for herself. She's also gone on to write a memoir of her time in the cult called The Witness Wore Red, The 19th Wife Who Brought Polygamist Cult Leaders to Justice. Um, so check that out for sure. Definitely, yeah. Every night, all of Rulon's wives were made to line up outside his bedroom door and wait their turn to say goodnight to him. These goodnights could consist of whatever it was that Rulon could want from any of his wives that night. Um, And one of his wives uh, had said, like, these lines were unbelievably long. Like, you would be there for hours. That's fucking crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
During these good nights, Rebecca would try her best to exhaust Rulon so she wouldn't have to suffer through his sexual assaults. Quote, I would do anything to make him fall asleep. Then I could pass by another night without having him touch me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So after Rulon died, his son, Warren Jeffs, took over and appointed himself as president and prophet of the cult. And so it wasn't really... This title wasn't really handed to him as it had been when Rulon um, was made president. Warren Jeffs kind of like decided this himself and he kind of put himself in this yeah. position. He probably probably would have happened anyway, but mm-hmm. he really like snuck his way. You know, it's, yeah. it's like fucking House of the Dragons right now where the dude's on his deathbed yeah. and he's like, nice. Noodle- noodled his way in. Exactly. Um, So Warren married all but two of his father's wives and implemented an even more strict set of rules for the members to abide by. So before Warren had taken over, women were made to wear traditional prairie dresses and cover themselves from neck to ankle. Um, I'm sure that you have probably, if you live in the state of Utah or ever seen anything talking about the state of Utah, um, I'm sure you've seen women wearing these dresses. It's literally all the way up to the neck all the way to the wrist and all the way down and it's like very mm-hmm. traditional looking like it looks like a pioneer dress if you ever gone to like a walmart in mm-hmm. fucking saint george you've for right. sure seen them exactly yeah. exactly um and after warren had taken over everyone was prohibited from wearing the color red and even seeing the color red would enrage warren and i read i don't know exactly what the deal is with that but i read somewhere that like he thought it was like jesus's favorite color or something so you couldn't wear it which doesn't really make sense because i'm like wouldn't you want jesus I don't know. Whatever. It's like a reverence thing, though, because yeah, like like you, you, it's like the uh, when people. What is one of the fucking like disciples of Jesus? They there's like a story that he like got crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was mm-hmm. worthy of being crucified the mm-hmm. same way Jesus was or something yeah. like that. Like I'm sure it has some weird shit to do like that where they're yeah. like we we're not worthy of the color of Jesus or whatever. Right. Um, women could not cut their hair and they had to follow a rigid style guideline for how to braid their hair. And you can actually like see like YouTube videos of like women teaching how to do like the special braids and stuff that they do. Like it's like you have to, it's part of the thing. Like you watch these videos if you're a woman Crazy. in this, um, cause you have to braid your hair in this certain way. They have like the bump in the front and then it's a tucked in braid and yeah. That's so fucking weird. It's, yeah, it's very specific. And also behind the cutting their hair, it's because the women were supposed to wash, eventually when the second coming of Christ would happen, Mm -hmm. they were supposed to wash Jesus's hair with their feet. And they were also, or Jesus' feet (laughs) with their hair. And um, they were also supposed to wash their husband's feet with their hair. Yeah, like fucking Bible shit. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it's fucking Mary Magdalene that does that. I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Um, also girls under 18 could not have a job or even a cell phone. Um, all of the children became homeschooled that even further cut them off from society and it left them to figure out for themselves what was the truth and what were the lies that were being preached to them by Warren Jeffs, literally about like history and shit. Oh yeah. Um, and obviously, obviously, you know, the Mormon church has its own idea of what history is as well. So. Yeah, there's something about uh, wacky religious people and homeschool that yeah. just goes hand in hand. Yeah, you know that meme. Yeah. You can't you can't let your kids be thinking too rationally exactly. about things, or so be you exposed gotta... to people who have like different lifestyles where they could be like, "Hold on a second. wait a second, yeah. <laughs> what I'm going through really sucks." Mm-hmm. Um, so one of these lies was that uh, like. <laughs> 
it's so weird one of them was that god directed like the first moon landing away from the moon so the moon landing never really happened which is kind of like a weird funny like weird I feel like you see thing, those yeah. that kind of comes up sometimes um anyway and the other one more importantly was that uh warren jeffs himself was the president of the united states and therefore members of flds could not vote oh wow which like i feel like I mean, I'm sure it's not the adults believing this, but it's just like, I feel like that's like real easy. If you're cut off from the world, not really. But yeah. I think if you're a bit older, you can kind of like assume like maybe this fucking dude isn't like yeah. the president of everywhere else, yeah. you know, like because I see him every day. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Who's to say? The um, psychological damage. Exactly. It sure, like clouds everything you right. think you know, right? right. Like, um, other things the children of the cult had to endure was no entertainment, no toys, no TV, no newspaper, internet, for obvious reasons, um, no birthday or Christmas celebrations, and not even any dogs were allowed. And that's really fucked up. Yeah, that's that's so sad. It's really sad. Were cats allowed? <laughs> I, I don't know. But yeah, and like not, not even any fucking toys. Yeah. Um, women, of course, were forced to obey their husband no matter the command. And boys as young as 14 were forced to work at the multiple businesses that the cult owned. And this included, um, like, hotels, construction companies, etc. Like, all of the other random shit that they've gotten mm-hmm. themselves into. And, yeah. um, uh, I'll talk about later when the compound was um, raided. <laughs> uh, but, like, one of the things that they got in trouble for was for child labor laws. Yeah. And... Like, they literally had boys lying and saying that they were 19 when they were, in fact, like, 14, 15, etc. Which, again, like, if you're, like, religion that is, like, don't lie, tells you to yeah. lie about your age if yeah. the police come, maybe, red flag, I guess. But, again, I'm, I'm not that I'm blaming any of these people because no, they're but... very much victims in this situation. Yes. But, like, yeah, it's just funny when it's, like, lie about your age, but don't lie because it's bad but if the police come lie (laughs) don't ever lie to me the prophet about um you know your feelings about Um, this church and when i say that actually i mean do lie because you're probably miserable uh warren jeffs took the motto of the cult keep sweet to heart and the meaning became to keep sweet you must push all your dark emotions down don't question anything don't be sad mad or anything that might make you seem like you were unhappy with warren's rule Keep sweet, put a smile on, and do as you were told. When Warren took over, he excommunicated a large portion of members that he had deemed unworthy. So what are the best ways to stay worthy? Give all your possessions to the church, including your children's toys. Hmm. Give five... like what we just talked about. (laughs) Give $5,000 at least to the church to prove your faithfulness, which is like, yeah. Okay. Um, And most importantly, do not question Warren's sexual assault allegations. In fact, (sighs) pretend that they don't even exist at all. Oh, my God. Yeah. Eventually, Jeffs had to go into hiding due to all of the allegations against him for multiple things. Um, And all of his moves from then on were in secret, eventually leading him to move his compound to Texas uh, to what he called the Yearn for Zion Ranch or the YFZ Ranch. So once again... Not only did they already kind of move and live on this compound, now we're doing it again. And Not going south. I've told you, any good fucking cult, they end up going yep. south. And especially as we had talked about, when was that? Uh, on one of the episodes, we had talked about how in Texas, like the marriage age Oh, that is... was for Waco, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, 
So 700 members lived on this compound, including Warren's 65 wives. They slept in sleeping bags on the floors of cramped trailers. So, you know, really yearning for Zion there. Yeah. It was at this ranch that Warren Jeffs would conduct his higher elite training and his heavenly sessions. These elite trainings were where Jeffs would instruct his child brides on how to please him sexually and train them to be subservient. So, again, very heavy content warning, um, as I said at the beginning, but, like, especially, especially for what we're about to get into. Um, And so this is quotes from some tapes that were released during um, Jeff's trials of what happened during these higher elite trainings, the things that he had to say. So, quote, you have to know how to be excited sexually. The Lord has intended that my ladies, all of my ladies, be trained. When you are with me, you must be inspired. You have to be inspired to assist me. Very few of my ladies have been allowed to assist me. To assist me because it takes a heavenly gift. You have to pray harder than ever. You have to know how to be sexually, how to, sorry, how to be excited sexually and to be excited to administer that comfort and strength. And you have to be able to assist each other. And you have to be prepared to be trained to do this against the time, against the time I would need your help, the Lord's help. All of my ladies need to be trained. You ladies just don't know how men out in the world are. And a young woman's voice says, we're so glad we don't know. Um, And, you know, that all sounds like kind of confusing as he's saying it, but I'll kind of, I'm going to read a little bit more of it um, just to sort of put into perspective. He's basically saying it like a sermon as he's sitting these women down. he, He talks like it's in a sermon. He says, God instructs for quorums of wives to be with me, to assist me, to comfort. Yes, even physically. Verily thus saith the Lord unto you, my servant Warren, I, the Lord God, thy God, look upon thee at this time, and my smile shines upon thee and these daughters who are with me. So, you know, he's he's saying, oh, like, God is telling me all this stuff. And as he's saying all of this, it's like this long droning fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very like, it sound, it's like, um, sounds like he's reading it out of a yeah. Bible, right? It's that kind of language. Um. So the heavenly sessions was when Jeffs would rape his often underage brides. He would force the girls to have sex with him, have orgies in the bathtub that he called his baptismal font. Um, Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Oh my god! He even introduced something that he called Sarah's law, which was a new law that, according to Jeffs, meant that these girls had to be together sexually to please him and sort of put on a show, touching each other. Yeah, which is great because also. You know, this cult is extraordinarily homophobic, so. Yeah, it's Good. very cool that he's like, oh, you know, lesbian lesbian sex is fine it, between. To please me. To please me as yeah. a man. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, just the fucking, like, uh, I mean, it's, again, not a big fan of religion in general, but mm-hmm. to be, like, God wants you to right. pleasure me as, like, your fucking husband, like, it's just it's just next levels of fucking like yeah. manipulating what people think of as like God's word to right, get right. your own sexual in this case sexual satisfaction or for your own gains and it's exactly. like again it's just like a new level of like disgustingness that like mm-hmm. again obviously the normal church is disgusting about a lot of things but yeah. this is fucking gross and it's, I'm yeah very upset by it yeah. Um, Jeff's used these heavenly sessions as punishment 
or he would sometimes use these heavenly sessions as punishment for when girls would break the rules and Jess would tell them that they were atoning for their sins. Brielle. Yeah. Yeah. Brielle Decker, who was one of Warren's wives, um, she began refusing to do anything sexual with him and was sent away to the Dream Center. Here she met 30 other wives who had been sent there for the same reason Brielle had. These women and girls were expected to redeem themselves here at the Dream Center, which I don't know exactly, like, what you had to do to redeem yourself. I guess kind of you would just be thrown there for a while, and then when you came back, like, you better Mm -hmm. fuck Warren Jeffs or be raped by him and just allow that to happen. Um, when living at the Dream Center, these women were ripped away from their children who would stay living at the YFZ Ranch and would be forced to participate in the heavenly sessions their children would. Um, so heavy, heavy, heavy content warning for, um, what I'm about to talk about. So one of the worst of these sessions was when several brides were made to tie down a 12-year-old girl in order for Warren Jeffs to rape her. Um, and it wasn't just Jeff's wives who would endure these assaults. Warren often raped and abused his own children, some of them from the time that they were eight years old, and sometimes he would force his son to join, his son who he would also rape. Um, Again, very homophobic uh, group yeah, and religion. Yeah. But, all right. And I know rape isn't, you know, about, like, the no. sexual pleasure often, but, um, you know, it's like a power thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, very homophobic it's just to the like rest of the world. It's just, like, a lot of layers of, like, bullshit. Yeah. Know? So, it's, yeah, fucked yeah. up. Um, so, in 2006, the YFZ Ranch was raided and Jeffs was arrested. And then, in 2001, he was finally convicted and sentenced to life for raping two girls of 12 and 14 years old. From jail, however, Jeffs was still sending revelations back to the higher-ups in the cults. Um, one of which was that it was up to the prophet, i.e. Warren, to decide who would be the seed bearers for the cults, um, meaning that Warren would decide which men were allowed to have sex and, you know, Hmm. subsequently bear children. Interesting. Yes. So, you know, since Warren's arrest, it's, it's definitely... This is still a thing. It's still happening. And I mean, the abuse continues to run rampant, I'm sure. Absolutely. Like in the cult in general, just based off of the culture and the you know teachings and everything. But, yes, uh, yes. I mean, he's not abusing people as right. much now, you so know, that's good. Having, having him, like the head of it all, be in fucking prison for life is, you know, good news. Unfortunately, he still has contact with the outside world, which I frankly don't really think that he should be allowed to. I don't think he should be allowed to send letters. <laughs> I just think it's clear yeah. that he's still a very dangerous person. Um, but what I want to talk about last is just, as I was saying earlier, kind of the interweaving of like FLDS, cult- FLDS um, teaches and practices and teaches and practices of LDS church itself um again i i'm not here to say that like the mormon church is as bad as this but i think it's really important to see that the fundamentals of both of these groups i'll just call them (laughs) um was based on things that the flds church cult has like run rampant with and ruin people's lives over and the fact that like those beliefs and practices are still part of the mormon church has made it still extremely dangerous to be a part of the mormon church as well um in particular i'm sure that a lot of you have heard of the associated press article that came out talking about um the 
hotline for people within the church that were experiencing sexual abuse and the fact that those abuse allegations never actually reached the ears of any law enforcement. Um, so one in particular was MJ. She was a young girl, just five years old, and uh, her father admitted to his bishop that she, he had been sexually assaulting her. Um, this bishop sent him to a helpline for guidance and the bishop was told to not report this abuse at all. The fucking dude, it's just with all of these fucking groups and it, again, it's not even just cults. It's fucking regular ass religious institutions mm-hmm. too. They always, it's always sweep it under the fucking rug, pay people off. Like don't report. Yep. It happens so often and it's got, it's so fucking disgusting. Yep. Oh my God. Yep. Uh, so this father continued raping this five-year-old girl, well, as, and she aged, um, for about seven more years, um, and then also continued to do this to her infant sister, and he would record the abuse on video and posted the videos to the internet. Jesus Christ. Um, once again, he was told he was never reported to the police by anybody involved in the church and was sent to a hotline. Great. Lovely. Yeah. Um, so the Associated Press had uncovered 12,000 pages of sealed records from uh, a child abuse lawsuit against the Mormon Church from West Virginia. And this really revealed this helpline and revealed how like the church is completely complicit in all of these sexual abuse allegations and how they never really do anything to help the victims or stop the abuses from happening. Um now that MJ has grown up and she has luckily left the church and gotten away from these people. Um, and I'll just leave us with this quote to end it all. So please yeah. do. She said, quote, I just think that the Mormon church really sucks. Seriously sucks. They are just the worst type of people from what I've experienced and from what other people have also experienced. Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking awful. So, amen. Um, and again, you know, I feel like the hard part is that, like, there are, like, Mormon people that I know that are very nice people. Agreed. And similarly, it's obviously not nearly as intense as people who are in the FD- FLDS, but right. they have also been programmed and exactly have grown up in this culture and, you know, in a way are, the, you know, a victim in and of themselves to uh right this kind of you know this organization what again it's not as intense as the flds but Mm -hmm. it's uh it's hard because i think it is easy to start blaming the people that are involved in it and it's like sometimes right they don't even know how gnarly things are you know exactly exactly yeah right right like members who are probably don't even know about these things until these articles come out or pages are unsealed or Warren Jeffs gets arrested. I'm sure you don't even know that these things are happening. Um, But yeah, I think it's just really important to see where these two stories kind of weave together and how like the things that this, both of these groups were founded on have created an unhealthy environment for people, again, specifically women and children. Um, Again, I would like really highly suggest watching uh, the Netflix documentary Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, which is completely just about the FLDS. And then um, un- either reading Under the Banner of Heaven or watching the show. Obviously, I'm sure the book is more detailed and better. Um, but I, I do highly suggest Under the Banner of Heaven just because I think it really, really strongly highlights like 
why regardless of trying to dissociate themselves from the FLDS cult that like it's still a part of it mm-hmm. regardless it's, this is the foundations of this group and it's going to taint this for the rest of its existence oh absolutely and again it's like you're founded on a white supremacist mm-hmm. patriarchal uh movement and so there's always going to be this like this kind of toxic and again, you might not endorse it like the FLDS do, right. but there's always going to be this toxic mindset that people have and this stuff is going to run rampant, exactly. especially when you fucking are more concerned about your image than you are about actually protecting people. Exactly. You Which is why you fucking won't shit. report this shit to the police. <laughs> and I hate Stop you it. and I hope you fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so, um, yeah, there's our rough horrible episode very <laughs> very rough uh yeah. let's quickly go through let's do it the plugs and yeah. uh we can get on to some nicer things <laughs> yeah take care of yourselves as always after this please do episodes because they're really rough and um yeah please Remember do that there is actually good things in the world truly uh please check us out on twitter uh it's at remarks pod um i'm gonna tweet a few things you can see my new jacket (laughs) yeah uh leave us a review on apple podcasts um and you can check out my music i make my music personally it is just under taylor lacy so Mm -hmm. you can always check Mm -hmm. that out and Phoebe. Um, you can look at our Instagram, which is at Remarks Podcast. You can go to our TikTok, which is the same, at Remarks Podcast. You can subscribe to our Patreon if you would like content that is considerably less sad. Um, and we'll do a quick shout out to our patrons as well, starting with Justin Vass. Andrew Vass. Tere Soltero. And Emily Doran. Thank you all so much. amazing. And yeah. A uh, big shout out to, of course, Circle Pit Radio, our network Ooh. that we are on, our corporate overlords, as yes. I call them. <laughs> so they are great. So They're fantastic. <laughs> Check out their other shows, which um, they do also have more lighthearted content. So it is, go listen to, you know. It is a nice palate cleanser, yeah. After this to, <laughs> to laugh to yourself. Exactly. Um. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. And Kay, love, love you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.